Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world this week from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. Now, if you're in business and you plan to succeed in the future, forget everything that you know about business today, because very soon it'll no longer apply. We need to urgently change the way we think about every aspect of business, whether it be leadership corporate culture, community citizenship, management, marketing, advertising, customer communication, service. We need to be able to manage extraordinary change because they're all going to change dramatically. The world's leading thinkers, Singularity University in Silicon Valley, estimate that in the last 10 years we've advanced just 1% of the technology revolution. In the next 15 years, we're going to advance the next 99%. That means that in just 10 years, we're going to be exposed to over 2,000 times more information every day than we're getting today. 2,000 times more. In just five years, we'll be over 5,000 new apps every day. Every day. And the overwhelming majority to facilitate... The overwhelming majority will be there to facilitate various aspects of business. Business leaders will have to be visionary, inspiring the market and employees. Investor demands are going to change from steady management and incremental change to transformational, disruptive and dramatic change. Cloud technology will interconnect Everyone, from management to employees to investors and to suppliers, transparently and faster in every direction. It's likely the CEOs will be much more like visionary, inspiring leaders of Jobs and Musk than business managers like Jack Welsh, with the traditional CEO role being carried out by the COO. Leadership will change from protecting status quo to extending innovation capabilities. Now, leaders won't be challenged by informational... Leaders will be challenged by informational intelligence, not information management. Platforms to enable new value change and integrated ecosystems, not IT systems management and by business transformation and accelerated growth, and not by cost management. Millennials are moving to positions of authority, changing the values of the corporation, and transforming the whole attitude towards life-work balance with the emphasis on the attitude of the company. Organizations' lifespans will be reduced from 45 years to 10 years. Corporate culture 
and community citizenship will become critical. Research has shown the rapidly increasing importance of the triple bottom line as the community becomes increasingly aware of and concerned about not only the environment, but also the concept of assisting those that are less fortunate. The triple bottom line is the concept of not only generating financial returns, but also simultaneously creating social and environmental returns. In order to attract the top employees, investors, and generate consumer sales, companies are having to increasingly take into account their complete impact on society and the environment, not just the impact on the economy. Businesses will have to assume responsibilities that go well beyond the scope of simple commercial relationships. Now, good corporate citizenship provides immense benefits in eight different areas. Firstly, reputation management. The percentage of companies' value that's derived from intangible assets increased from 17% in 1981 to over 90% today, and that will continue to increase. Risk profile and risk management. Investment in environmental management will substantially reduce a firm's perceived risk and will increase stock price from between 5% to 25%. It'll become critical employee recruitment, motivation and retention. Today, 65% of employees and predicted to rise rapidly, take into account a company's ethics when deciding to take or remain at a job. And this is going to become more and more important as there is a bigger shortage in high-skilled talent. Investor relations and access to capital will be dependent. Corporate focus on environmental and social criteria now accounts for 45% better financial performance than companies without such focus. Corporate citizenship objectives encourage creativity and innovation, which leads to bottom line benefits. This innovation will become more and more critical. And research clearly shows that rapidly increasing and now a majority of of consumers form their impression of a company on the basis of its corporate citizenship practices rather than on brand reputation or financial factors. Reducing material use and waste saves money, as well as reducing the environmental impact, which leads to direct improvements on the bottom line. And companies with a good reputation for corporate citizenship will increasingly fare much better in the face of labour or environmental issues. I think the opening line of this comment says it all. We urgently need to totally change the way we think about every aspect of business. Hey, stop what you're doing. Listen up. This is a very important message for every business. If you want to stop leaving money on the table, you need to get your prices right. Just adjusting your prices so that you don't lose customers and you maximise your income 
can really transform a company. So if you want to stop leaving money on the table, go to atenga.com, A-T-E-N-G-A.com, and download a free ebook called Seven Easy Su- Steps to Successful <laughs> Increasing Prices. It's a quick read and may well be the most profitable thing you have done all day. My friend Per Sofa says you can get your total investment in a Tenga back in as little as four to six weeks. So go to Atenga, A-T-E-N-G-A, dot com now. Do you get my daily 30-second read news, newsletter? We now have about 1.7 million daily subscribers. I invite you to go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enrol for the newsletter. It takes just 30 seconds to read, and it'll keep you up to date with all the business news that's important. Every day we tackle a new subject from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology to subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain. We run the gamut. And these are all subjects that you should know if you're going to survive in this new global business revolution. It's free. Its information is invaluable and you get it by going to my website, bobpritchard.com. Now, very few of this is a little bit off the beaten business track, but very few of us recognize how important a bee is. You know, we run away from them. We chase them off out of our backyards. But fewer honeybees bees mean less to eat and higher food prices. Bees are critical to crops and farmers. And in North America alone, honeybees' role in pollination enables the production of at least 90 commercially grown crops, including apples and blueberries and melons and broccoli and a whole truckload of others. Anna Holderwang, who is a senior at Savannah College of Art and Design in Georgia, wanted more people to understand the significance of bees to human life. So what she's done, she's created what's essentially a bee drone. Now, called Plan B, it's very clever. It's a personal robotic bee that's controlled by a smart device and mimics how bees pollinate flowers and crops. The drone sucks in pollen from a plant and expels it onto other flowers to enable cross-pollination. Now, this is the part that I find extraordinary. Plan B is just one of 1,600 new concepts that the college design students develop every quarter as part of their course. That's six and a half thousand new concepts a year. Wow. Separately, the school also works on 30 projects a year leveraging technology in collaboration with companies like Microsoft, HP, AT&T, Dell and Mattel. Now, young Holderwang had no idea about the danger to honeybee colonies and that bees were disappearing, but when she found out, it prompted her to create an educational product that both addressed her class assignment and would help spread awareness about the bee's role in the food system. She worked through 50 design variations before settling on the final version. Now, she's already filed a patent application and she hopes to have a marketable product in about two years.
Victor O'Molly, Dean of the School of Design, says it's outstanding. The design is self-explanatory and offers a very clever solution. The drone could conceivably be used in large-scale farming, even in hydroponic farming. So congratulations to Savannah College of Art and Design in Georgia for their outstanding effort in encouraging innovation. After the break, today's guest, Will Henshaw, has written songs. He's performed on many platinum hit records. He's got a whole wall full of records. Has five patents for audio collaboration recording studio technology. And he created the Pro Tools Digi Delivery Pro Audio tool that's used widely across the world now. He's also started five startups in the last 30 years. He now runs Focus at Will, a new neuroscience-based music technology company that delivers productivity on demand tools that enhance focus and attention span for working, studying, and reading. Focus at Will has over 1 million customers. And I'll speak with Will after this short break on the Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Now, over the last six years or more, we've given you insights into the lives of over something like 350 of the world's most interesting people from all walks of life. We've talked about what they do, and what it is that um, hopefully we try to find out what it is that makes them tick. You know, it's extremely rare to find an extraordinary personality or a unique talent, and it's even more difficult to create a successful business. You know, we know that something like 95% plus of all businesses fail. So one of the keys to programs like this and to um, uh, books and all the guidance uh, programs that you get is to take notice of what other people have done to make them successful. So the aim of this segment is to help you weather the obstacles that everyone who is successful is going to face at some point along the journey and hopefully help you to become one of the ones that are successful. Today's guest, Will Henshaw, 
is founder and CEO of Focus at Will, a new neuroscience music for work subscription service. That's hard to say. <laughs> a new neuroscience music for work subscription service. It's easier the second time. That is proven to supercharge your productivity up to four times. Now, Will is my hundredth guest from the unbelievable metal group of leaders, which I am very privileged to be a member of. So, um, just from that perspective alone, this is a, a milestone interview. <laughs> like all metal members, Will's had an extraordinary and varied life. Now, he began as a songwriter, music producer and artist, founder of the UK-based pop soul band London Beat. He was signed to Radioactive MCA Records and had two USA number one songs in the early 90s. What I might do, I might actually get Will to show you his wall of fame in a few minutes. Um, so then Will then became a software inventor and was founder of San Francisco-based Rocket Network, which has created technology that networked audio recording studios. They sold the company to Avid in 2003. The digi-delivery media transfer system is part of Pro Tools and is used every day in pro audio production all over the world. Now, another radical departure. In 2003, he became professional photographer, visual artist, and ran a professional photography company in Los Angeles. He then started Focus at Will in late 2009. Another big jump. And this is a new neuroscience-based music technology company that delivers productivity and on-demand tools that enhance focus and attention span for working, studying, and reading. So, Will's written songs and performed on many platinum hit records. He's got five patents for technology. He created the Pro Tools Digi Delivery Pro Audio tool, and he started up five startups in the past 30 years. That, to me, is one hell of a career. And I'm a, uh, Bob, I'm exhausted just listening to all this. Yeah, I know. I've, it makes me envious. I sit there and think, geez, I've wasted my life. <laughs> These guys are so fucking talented. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Will. Yeah. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard all around the world. Well, thank you, Bob. Um, it really, I think I might need to cancel the interview and get uh, get a nap and then call you back. <laughs> I know it's when you're in it, you don't notice it, you know. Yeah, I know. Show, so you don't. Before we start, just show us yeah. your wall behind. Oh, you want to? You want me to? Yeah, show just, my, just have a quick look at the wall. Yeah, this is actually one of the walls. I, I got a couple. That's one of the walls. And yeah, these are. Um, I don't know if I've got enough cable. Yeah, that's all right. So I was in the band. I was in the band London Beat yep. and uh, was the main writer right. and uh, performer and uh, played on all the records and toured with the band for many years. And uh, the song that people will remember, um, the, the biggest song was called I've Been Thinking About You. Right. Now you look it up on YouTube, you'll see me with a ridiculous haircut from back in the 90s. <laughs> uh, it was the BMI PRS song of the year and um, <clears throat> yeah, number one record all over the world. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I spent 20-odd years as a rock and roll singer, and I had a couple of hit records back in Australia. And, uh, um, All right. It's a, it's a great part of your life. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore, but it's a great part of your life. Yeah, so, right. 
when you're a kid and you go to school, college, whatever, um, and you're sitting there wondering, what am I going to do with my life? Did you always want to be a musician? Was that how did you get into the music business? Well, you don't want to be a musician. You are a musician. Okay. It's a blessing and a curse. So I can speak this other language called music. Mm-hmm. And um, those of us that can, by the way, about 10% of the population are musicians of some kind. So it's one in 10. Mm. And no wonder, <laughs> no, no wonder it's so hard to make a dollar. <laughs> yeah, one in 10 are a musician. There's a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, there's two types of musicians. There's there's people who can sight read and who learn music, who can play classical music, who went to, you know, you here's your guitar lesson, play this piece of music. There's another one which is, you know, you know, here's the piano, play the stuff. And then there's people like me and the rest of us that play by ear. So when I used to go to music lessons as a kid and I started lessons at four, right. I remember sitting on the piano and seeing the dots on the page and just not being able to just go, what the, how does that work? Yeah. And then I got a great ear. So I would watch the teacher play, memorize it, come back next week playing what she played and kind of look at the page, but I had no idea where I was on the page. <laughs> and <clears throat> that is what started me off, that I'm a, I play by ear and I'm a composer. I, I can't really play other people's music. I, I just, when I sit on an instrument, I just know what to play. I, I, I'll just jump quickly to an interesting story that, I was very blessed later on, as you're saying, uh, with London Beat to, to, to have had notable international success. And one year I got, in 1992, I got a gong. It's up here, actually. You could see it earlier. I was the writer of the year. And I sat next to Paul McCartney during the, during the ceremony, right. which was fantastic. I mean, I'm sitting next to Paul <laughs> bloody McCartney, right? right. What can, by the way, what are you going to say to Paul McCartney? Uh, uh, hi, uh, what kind of strings do you use on your bass? But I had a question. My question to him was, Paul, I have heard that you can't read music. Is that true? And he goes, yeah, lad, the dots get in the way of the notes. <laughs> I was like, there you go. Paul McCartney, I wish I'd known this when I was a kid at school. <laughs> yeah. I, right? So yeah. He, McCartney feel, is in the same thing. You, you feel music and you yeah. write it and you, you, you don't have a, a trained background. So I've always been a musician and it's a blessing and a curse. How long did you go to music lessons for? Um, well, on, on and off until I left high school. Right. Um, but I, I was uh, I was lucky. I, I found a couple of people who who were also interested in composition and and uh, improvisation, and then I realised that. Yeah, you need to have an understanding of the framework of music, the circle of fifths and the way that chords go together. Um, But if you actually study it too much and you get too involved in the technique, you become a dry player. You you actually stop playing with soul and you you start being technical. And uh, in the 80s, I moved to uh, New York. You can tell by my accent, I'm originally British. And in the 80s, I moved to New York City and I played bass on a bunch of but I was a sort of a session bass player, a sure. music producer in, yep. in the 80s. And I played bass in the UK on a number of, uh, you know, new age kind of punky uh, band records. And when I went to New York, all of the players there were really technically competent. Mm. They were really good players. And because I wasn't a very good player, 
people and say, dude, you just have such an English style. I'm like, well, I, I, how do you do that? That little trilly, that, that, you know, and then I realized, oh, the secret is vibe. Right. You know, you're a rock guy. You want yeah. a bass player who plays one note on time. <laughs> and so that's what I learned. It's all about, it's all about a vision. It's all about knowing what you're trying to do. Feel. Feel. Um, okay, so a couple of hit records. And yeah. presto, you're in the center of action in San Francisco and you're a software inventor. That seems to me like a big leap and an even bigger learning curve than music. Hey, the, yeah. What did, what happened? You woke up, <laughs> woke up one yeah. night and said, oh, put the bass in the corner, now I'm just going to go and invent something important. Well, I come from a long line of British inventors. Okay. I am the fifth generation inventor uh, on both sides of my parents' families. Um, my dad is like a chitty, chitty, bang, bang kind of ridiculous inventor. He invents stuff that people don't ever need. Um, but <laughs> back in the, back in the lineage, there's someone who was, who was involved in TV invention, a lot of steam, a lot of industrial process. Right. You know. yeah. um, so I've always had a sort of a parallel life of being a sort of, I'm interested in techie invention things yep. due to my family. Uh, and I, then I'm this kind of intuitive feel musician. And um, in the eighties, uh, I got very interested in the internet. And in 1980, um, I want to say four, right. my brother, my brother, Matt was a huge influence on me. And he was a very early internet developer before there was such a thing as the internet. And he helped me get online in, the, in I think, 84, 83 or 84. And um, I was on a system called Demon Co. UK, which was one of the very first British uh, uh, yep. net systems. And then when I moved to the States, it was dial-up through uh, the well, actually. Yep. So that got me involved and fascinated in the idea of, wait a minute, there's this thing, which is the internet, and I can dial into it. And because the early days are very interested in digital audio recording, so I was an early digital audio recording engineer. And of course, they're just numbers. They're bits and they're files. The files were too big to put through your phone modem, but phone modems were getting faster all the time. Yeah. And that was like, that's interesting. One day, we're going to be able to put files that we're recording up through a fast line onto the internet. And that's what got me started in, hmm. So we're in a recording studio and we're pushing... We're, you know, we're recording tapes, big fat multi-track tapes. I this is this is well. <clears throat> this is my partner John. You can see in the background. Hi, John. <laughs> How are you? I follow the blog. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> and um, so, back in the day, uh, recording studios were all multi-track tapes. Right. And they had to be shipped around. They were very valuable, heavy, difficult, easy to distort by getting you know getting them close to magnets. And now them and then well. as soon as Right. And then as soon as it got into digital audio, that's when like the two sides of my brain started going, wait a minute, I want to be able to record the audio in New York with a vocalist there. And then how do we get that digital audio through the phone line to and so on? And so the thing that I was the founder of then is called Rocket Network. And that was all about collaborating remotely with music and, and sound. And that led me to the center of San Francisco. Um, Paul Allen uh, put $18 million into the company. Cisco, um, uh, a lot of other uh, uh, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs were involved. And I found myself running a tech company 
1995 and 96, I was actually both in the band. We had a number one single in the States in 1990, early 95, I think, 94, 95. And I found myself both the CEO of a tech company and guitarist writer in a, in a pop band signed to MCA uh, Records. It right. was a weird time. Yeah. A weird time. It's a bit. It's a. It's a bit like the um, guitarist who's a rocket scientist or whatever <laughs> with Queen. Well, Brian, do you mean Brian? Brian May. Brian May yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, a, a nuclear physicist, isn't he? Yeah, he's a nuclear physicist and a mm-hmm. a um, guitarist in what could be described as a pretty good band. Yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're here in about three weeks at the Hollywood Bowl. Wow. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so you've had five startups altogether. Now, it's difficult yeah. to have one startup, and we know yeah. that 95% of people fail. So what makes you yeah. different? What What is it about you that has been the key to sort of consistent success? doesn't matter what you do, it works. What? what? It is sheer bullheaded absolute persistence and believe in and belief in my own ability right um and never looking down yeah you know don't don't look down um or back yeah well sometimes it's a good idea to work (laughs) (laughs) but i i i've been asked this question a few times recently um what what is it well the secret of entrepreneurship is to be able to pivot and understand that the idea that you had might not be the idea that's actually going to make you make this company successful, but you can't get to B uh, to C if you didn't go through B. You start with A, you get to B, and you get to C. Yeah, I agree. I was just about to say that. How you, you, have to, you have to understand that timing is everything. So actually, the simple answer to your question is timing because – you could have had, this is the example I like to give. Um, YouTube was sold to Google, um, what, when was it, 10 years ago maybe? Yeah, probably about 10 yeah. 10-ish years ago. For two or three years before um, that happened, anybody could have done that. Yeah. The tools to do it were open source. You literally, and there were loads of video sharing sites. There, yeah. load of, there were loads of people that are doing it. Yeah. But the guys behind it had the vision. They were like, now is the time, and this is how this is going to work. Their timing was immaculate. The, the tools were available. They were like, this is going to help the Google search engine. They pitched it. Their timing was phenomenal. Yeah. And so often it's about timing. Zuckerberg, right man, right time right place timing 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 and pretty smart too yeah oh yeah 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 oh my god <laughs> silicon valley has some very very smart people in it there are so then would you argue that um back with your digital um recording software or mm-hmm. the rocket you, network yeah rocket yeah. network yeah was that timing because it seems to me that it, at that point you were ahead of the curve the pioneers are the guys with the arrows in their backs. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I lost a couple of million bucks on that myself. Right. We were about 20 years too, too, too early. Uh, too early. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you have the, um, the kudos of being the guy that invented the thing that then became successful by someone else. And um, luckily for me, the rocket network technology 
10 years after we started it was sold to Avid. And it is only just now, anybody who listens to this that uses Pro Tools, which is you know yeah. the, the main recording technology that most people use, yeah. Pro Tools has only just now come out with cloud collaboration, which is basically the tech that we sold them in 2003. Right. Wow. 15 years later, it is now a viable an idea, which is track-based collaboration within a digital audio workstation. Yeah. Uh, uh, you could have lost a shitload of money if you had <laughs> hung in there <laughs> and then made it up. But it <laughs> Well, we didn't. We sold and got out alive, although oh, I didn't make good. a lot of money, you know. But, um, yeah, if I'd have been able to hang on in there for another 15 years, but I'm, I, I, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we <laughs> so now we move on to today. Right. Now, I read um, Einstein got into flow state by playing the violin and that yeah. the part of his brain that was disconnected from the real world was able to go and then work out some incredible stuff. So yeah. how did you come to the realisation that music can not only be used to <laughs> stimulate and excite and an emotional driver but can also be used to get people to concentrate and to focus. That seems to me to be a strange connection. Yeah, actually, it was observation. Um, In 2008 and 2009, more and more people were working in an open office. More and more people were. And um, if you're working in a noisy environment, and by people working, I'm talking about uh, designing, uh, web work, uh, yeah. design, you, you know, uh, do any kind of financial or, or, or computer developing or, or you know, <clears throat> most computer work um, is where you are sitting in a big room with other people. When you want to get something done, you instinctively reach for your headphones and put some music on to block out the noise. Right? That's what we right. do. Okay. So... What happens, though, is what do you listen to? Because if you listen to music you like, what you're doing, by the way, that's anything uh, in the commercial music, anything on Spotify or CDs you've got, doesn't matter. Right. What you're doing is, sure, you've got rid of one problem, which is like you blocked out the noise, but you've introduced a new problem, which is now you're listening to the music. Yep. And... Um, to, I, I met people at Singularity University, another group of incredibly bright people from Absolutely. the Bay Area. Yep. And they invested, by the way, they're one of my major investors in Focus at Will. Um, and through them, I met a, a group of phenomenal neuroscientists, a couple of whom are actually on my team now. And um, I learned something very interesting, Bob. When you listen to music, humans listen to music, the sound goes in your ears, it bypasses your brain and goes straight to your limbic system. Right. Right? It makes you feel. That's why us humans like music. You'll go and see the Rolling Stones, even if you don't like the Rolling Stones, you will feel what you feel because the music goes straight in your ears and straight to the feel-good music. Yep. And that is true of anything. You could hear a piece of music that was a big hit when you were a teenager and you made out with someone the first time. Whatever it is, something happened. Right now you hear that, you'll be like, oh. So the limbic system, which is where you feel things, yep. and music are completely linked. However, the limbic system is also where your fight or flight mechanism sits. So I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm looking, you're on my computer screen, and I'm looking right in front of me. I'm using my hands and my voice and I'm talking to you like this. Right. I can't see behind me. So yep. my, my safety 
is driven largely, while I'm concentrating on talking to you, my safety is driven by my hearing. My hearing works in 360. Yeah. And humans, by the way, you can never turn your hearing off. Even when you're asleep, if you hear a loud bang, you're going to wake up. Yep. So your hearing is always looking for your safety. And your hearing is linked to your limbic system. Yep. So if you listen to music while you're working and the music is tickling your limbic system, if it has vocals in it, if it is music that is very emotional, if it's music you knew, if it's music you like and engages you, you cannot help but be distracted. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it, right? Yep. So that led me in 2008 and 2009 um, to talk to the guys at Singularity University. And John Vitale, who's a, another metal member, you yep. saw us now, yep. uh, he and I put together this business, which is, is there a type of music which supports the limbic system, kind of soothes it. Is, is it possible to, have, to, to, to find music that soothes the limbic and does not distract you? It does not trigger the fight or flight response. Is, is it possible? And the answer is after about $5 million worth of investment, a lot of late nights, a lot of crazy um, brain machines in the lab, and a lot of you know going up dead ends and, and coming back out again. The answer is yes. Good. Yes. Can I ask a question here? Um, we had a substantial marketing office in Santa Monica. We had 30-odd people. And right. we, had, we had music on a loop. And right. now we were just creating promotions and marketing strategies, the typical marketing office. And mm -hmm. we would have 10 minutes of Zeppelin and we'd have 10 minutes of Beethoven and we'd have 10 minutes of the Beach Boys and 10 minutes of ACDC. And, and we... Did this all day because we found that it encouraged productivity mm -hmm. and it create it got people thinking differently. It's impossible mm -hmm. to think the same way if you're listening to Beethoven as if you're listening to ACDC. So, so we found that that combination of music actually, apart from being good fun, encouraged people to think differently and change their focus and whatever. So that's using the emotion of music differently. So does, does your approach yeah. with music that doesn't stimulate the emotion, does that, um, is that only for a certain type of people or is it, I mean, for creative people? Is it yeah. Just as um, well? well, I'm amazed that you were as successful as you were doing that. I've got strong science. So my, my company is focus at will. Anybody who yeah. wants to take a look at it, focus at will.com. Um, we have found, uh, we, we, we've got about a million and a half users, and we've got a lot of data on what people do. Yes. And Focus at Will has, it's a, a, a unique and exclusive library of material across many genres, and it's all instrumental. So there's classical music, there's EDM, trance electronica, there's um, very, uh, there's up-tempo electronica, it's sort of trance, there's a chill, there's, there's nature sounds, there's all different things. The answer to your question is that Everybody is slightly different. Yep. And what will make, what will help you focus sort of genre and style-wise is different than the sort of music someone else will work. And if you have 30 people in a room, mm. when you play music over the loudspeaker system, what you're doing is you're hoping that it's the least worst average effect. Because some people work great with noisy, up-tempo, crazy crashing sounds, and some people hate that. Yeah, And so um, we, we have found there, there are a couple of things about this. Um, 
when you're trying to work, just think about someone, say, designing a web page. Yep. You sit down. You've got an hour and a half, two hours of work to get done. And you sit and it takes you, most people, 10 or 12 minutes to get into a flow state. Yep. yep. Everybody's familiar with this. It takes you about 10 to 12 minutes. By the way, if your wife or a coworker comes up to you 12 minutes into it and says, hey, I just have a quick question. It won't take a minute. You are. That's it. You're like, damn. Yep. I've now got to answer the question. And now I've got to wind back in to where I'm at. And we have research that shows the second time you're in it, it takes you twice as long. So now it's going to take you 25 minutes, right? Yeah. So once you get into a flow state, how long can you sustain a flow state? And most people can go for about 20 minutes. So about 25 or 30 minutes is measurably how long you can be super efficient. Okay. That's in the normal world. Well, we found with the focus at World Music, by the onboarding process tells you which genre of music will work best for you. Most of our users are running sessions between 100 and 120 minutes. So they're running nearly two hours of concentration. So you're able to go from like a 30-minute sort of concentration window normally up to four times that. And if you think about how effective you could be, most people, when you're trying to sort of work on a spreadsheet or you've got a project to finish, if you can dive into this thing and put your full attention on it, you'll do your best work. Right. So... The sort of the takeaway that that we found and the reason why we've got a million and a half users is this is a tool that allows you to sort of wind into what you're doing. You don't notice the music. It's the weirdest thing. The idea is to have the music fade out behind you and then just be do your very best work on the thing you're doing. The bell will ring at the beginning and the end. There's a timer on the application and then you can get out and stretch, get a drink of water, come back and then do another hour and a half mm. so it's about being the most efficient you can while you're doing what you're doing yeah that's great i find that when i'm working on a project if i'm working on creating a business strategy or someone right. or something right. for someone i have to f- f- focus until i get in the zone yes and then i can work really well but yes. if i'm distracted by things popping up on the screen or whatever it screwed me totally or if somebody asks me a question i've got to you're right i do have to start all over again so how does somebody um i'm sitting out there and i'm thinking gee i'd love to be able to focus better i'd love to get Mm -hmm. be able to get my staff to focus better what's the process of getting um music at will focus at will engaged Um, Actually, it, you just go to the website, focusatwill.com, and uh, there's a 14-day no-risk trial. Right. Um, I, I, I should warn people that two-thirds of the people who enter into our free trial uh, become paying subscribers. <laughs> just a heads up on that. <laughs> no, we, we stand by. It works. You know. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a mobile app, too. You can find it on the Apple Store and on the Play Store. Um, as I just mentioned, though, it doesn't work for everybody. Right. And it doesn't work at all for one person out of three who tries it. I mean, it really doesn't work. These are the people like, this is the most stupid thing I ever tried. Why would I want to do that? (laughs) And it's to do with brain science. Right. So people's brain type are different. Everybody's different. And one person out of three needs silence when they're working. They actually need no 
no noise. And um, it's, a, it's a, a, a fairly accurate statistic that we found. This works for two people out of three that it does work. And of the two people out of three it does work for, one of them is going to have almost like a religious experience like, oh, my God, I can't work without this. And that's why I got a business, by the yeah. way. Does, this, does it take you to a point where you just ignore the music's even there? Yeah. So you just you, you just put your finger on it. So the human brain has these, you could think of it as two parts. There's my consciousness talking yes. to you right now, looking at you now. And then there's my subconscious, which is keeping, is, I'm breathing, <laughs> I'm sitting here, right? And my yes. subconscious is monitoring my environment for my safety. Yes. And so when you play music while you're trying to work, what you want to have happen is for that music to be interesting enough to engage your subconscious to soothe the fight or flight response, just to soothe. And when it does that, your consciousness doesn't notice the music. <laughs> okay. So I am in this, here's where I'm at, this crazy thing. You can see these records behind me. Yes. This is all about, hear a song on the radio, you can't forget it, don't bore us, get to the chorus. You're in the rock business, you know, you yep. gotta hit the... Yep. And now, this stage in my life, I am making music that we don't want people to listen to consciously. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to be pretty good at that a few times too, um, <laughs> un, unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this was intentional, actually, Bob. So you can, so our listener can go on to um, the website and yeah. uh, focusatwill.com and just take just it from put there. It, and, put it in Google, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how do you then determine what music's going to work for them? Um, the system has a sort of an onboarding process that, okay. that walks them through that. But it's really black and white. If this works for you, yep. you'll find the channel combination that works and you'll be like, oh, wow. When I look at the data of our users, 90% of our users find one channel and energy. There's something called the energy level, which is where you can you can titrate the exact amount of energy that works for you. Right. Um, when you find your combo, you never change it. Okay. So what's the biggest challenge you've ever faced in business? Um, I've had a couple, uh, a couple of serious ones. Um, one of them was, I'll, I'll tell you about this. Um, when I started Focus at Will, we were not doing music for work. We were doing something else. We started this doing something which was music for reading. Different oh, thing. Okay. I got interested in the the early Kindles, you know. Yep. Just people were reading in airports, listening to music on the Kindle. I thought that's interesting. Maybe maybe we could do music that. And then because I've done music for movies, I thought maybe maybe when you're reading, we could do sort of a soundtrack to the book, right? Right. Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, you can imagine what kind of music that will be. <laughs> um, but seriously, a thriller would be like a car chase sound or a. Is there a way that we could make music follow the words on a page? And I actually started uh, with John. We started this company, and we had a music for reading tech. It used, a, it used artificial intelligence. It analyzed the words on a page. And if it was scary, this is for novels, if it was scary music, it would play you scary mu music. If it was, uh, um, you know, an exciting, it would play you exciting music. So that the music that you heard followed the the content of the text. The yeah. And uh, we got... Um, we got Random House involved. We got their exec team involved, their investors through through uh, Bertelsmann. And then I got introduced to the Kindle team at uh, at Amazon. 
Awesome. We went into the header Kindle. We showed him. We built a version of the tech working. You could download any book from Amazon, and then you could hit the music button. And as you play, as you read, it played your music dynamically following what you were reading. Cool. Doesn't it sound like a great idea? Yeah, it does. Right. Here's what happened. <laughs> <We> showed, <laughs> oh, boy. So I spent a couple of million bucks making this thing. We played it to them. They, they liked it. They said, have you done any customer tests? I said, well, we've got about 100 users at the moment that we're just testing it on. They said, could you do a uh, market research? Um, get, get the guys at Random House to help you. So do some market research and see what people think. We'll price it and so on. So the guys at Random House helped us do some market independent market research tests. And I thought it was going to be a slam dunk. People love it. They're going to license it. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> no. <laughs> Put it mildly, it was a disaster. 10% of the people who tried it uh, thought it was great. 10% thought it was eh. And 80% found it the most distracting, stupid thing they'd ever tried in their life. I was getting handwritten, big green capital letters. Dude, guys, I wasted two hours of my life. I was like, oh my God, what the hell is this? And um, I was nearly running out of money. And um, I was just like, oh my God, have I just wasted two years of my life building a thing that no one wants? And... Um, what had happened was, if you stopped trying to read, yep. the system played you more neutral music because it didn't know where you were in the story, right? It didn't know whether you were reading a scary bit or a happy bit. It just played you more neutral music mm. by in design. People started writing me saying, hey, this stupid idea of this thing that you wrote <laughs> is ridiculous. Anyway, I left it on in the background while I was working and it's helping me work. <laughs> and that had a big That's light bulb moment go on. Wait a minute. Neutral music helps people work. And that's kind of sparks an idea. And the guys at Singularity University were very helpful. Peter Diamandis in particular. Yeah. Um, you know, Peter, Peter said to me, um, he said, hey, listen, you know, you don't get paid to read, but you do get paid to work. Yeah. And that was like, wait a minute, Peter, can you write me a check for 50K? And I'll see. <laughs> There's your pivot. There's your pivot. And I pivoted, but we were down to like a month's money in the bank and uh, a total disaster of wasting $2 million worth of our investors' money. Well, we pivoted. We're out of time, so I really appreciate you speaking with oh. me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and for being my 100th medal guest on the show. That's great. What now, an you, honor. Thank you. You can learn more about Will at focus at Will. Com. That's focus at will.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Channel. And we are the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. This week, we're broadcasting 
from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you put butter in your coffee? Now, this is a question I asked last week in my daily newsletter, and we received a pretty strong reaction. And most people seem to be pro this. Dave Asprey, the man famous for encouraging Silicon Valley execs to put butter in his special brand of coffee, the guy who lost 100 pounds in weight after spending $1 million of his own money in trial and error hacking of his own body, and he also sold fat water, literally water with fat in it, well, he deserves a medal in the sales hall of fame. Well, he's just raised another $19 million to keep people putting butter in their coffee. I'll give him one thing. He's obviously creative and he's a bloody good talker. His company and lifestyle brand, Bulletproof 360, claims to make coffee free of mycotoxins, which is basically mould and can make you very ill if you ingest it. Asprey says that about 75% of other brands, that's all other brands apart from his, are full of these mycotoxins and they're affecting the brains and bodies of America's leaders. But for just $18.95, you can get a bag of Asprey's upgraded blend of zero mycotoxins coffee. Now, the $18.95 doesn't get you a big bag. It just gets you a relatively minor size bag. So 75% of all the coffee in the world, according to Asprey, have got mycotoxins in it, which are affecting your brain. But for $18.95, you can get his, which doesn't affect your brain. I think if you're going to pay $18.95 for his coffee, your brain's already affected. Now, mycotoxins are in a whole range of things, including meats and grains and coffee and a bunch of other foods. And in large quantities, they're most certainly harmful in large quantities. However, most every coffee company in the world is aware of this cancer-causing mould and many use wet processing to clean the beans for that reason. But Bulletproof, don't forget, Bulletproof 360 is Asprey's company, says that's not enough and that it has some extra special techniques to reduce the mycotoxins in Asprey's coffee. So he's got these techniques that nobody else has got. So you have to give him credit for clearly differentiating himself and building a loyal following and a solid sales pipeline in just a crowded, you know, in a really crowded space. So he's creating a scare, then providing the solution, and uh, he's doing all right. He's raised $28 million so far for coffee. (laughs) So according to a National Institutes of Health study, Americans who drank four cups of coffee a day were found to have 
well below what's considered safe levels of mycotoxins. So if you want to have the levels of mycotoxins that he says affect your body, you would need to be drinking coffee continuously all day. You'd almost need to have a drip. Levels were so low after the normal coffee bean roasting process, the NIH discontinued the study so that it doesn't seem like this should be a big concern for coffee drinkers. Well, it's not. As for the other claims, like a special fat that he's got that makes you thin and reduces your cholesterol, or that grass-fed butter has health benefits for your brain, well, analysing these claims is a whole different exercise. So while we don't know the year-over-year figures yet, Bulletproof seems to have done pretty well, well, well enough to at least convince BCs to hand over more money. CAPU Venture Partners led the round, along with previous investor Trinity Ventures, which also, incidentally, invested in Starbucks. Bulletproof previously took in $9 million in Series A, bringing the total funding to date to $28 million. Asprey has just released his latest book, titled Headstrong, and he also plans to expand to more retail stores this year, starting in New York City. His two existing Bulletproof cafes are, of course, in Southern California. It's probably somewhere where he can sell his bullshit easier. Hey, stop what you're doing. Listen up. This is a very important message for every business. If you want to stop leaving money on the table, you need to set your prices right. Go to atenga.com, that's A-T-E-N-G-A.com, and download a free ebook called Seven Easy Steps to Successfully Increase Your Prices. So you'll get your total investment back from your business in as little as four to six weeks. So go to atenga.com now. I invite you to go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enroll for my daily newsletter. It takes just 30 seconds to read and will keep you up to date with all the business news that is important. Remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Next week, I'll again be broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment, and I hope you can join me again. In the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.